It also means that we have more stores and now websites than needed. I mean, way more than needed, all of which leads to, you know, what I call the race to the bottom. Hi, everybody, and uh, thanks for joining our weekly podcast. I'm Robin Lewis, founder and CEO of The Robin Report, and along with my podcast partner, Shelly Cohan, uh, we welcome you to our weekly podcast. And our topic this week is, well, I guess common sense, what, <laughs> what major strategic and structural shifts will be shaping retail in 2024? That's a great topic to start off 2024. Happy New Year, Robin. I can't believe we're closing the door on another year. I know. Happy New Year to you too, Shelly. <laughs> and all indicators are pointing to actually an overall very good year for most retailers. So, Well, think, knock on wood. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of the legacy retailers specifically have really finally learned how to be agile, nimble, and the importance of having strategic flexibility. Yep. So, but before we jump into the strategic structural shifts of 2024, we should talk about our own strategic shifts and changes for the Robin Report. Oh, yeah. <laughs> our listeners and readers will certainly notice or have noticed already one of these changes. Well, you must you must be talking about our new website, Shelley, and, and our refreshed uh, branding of it. Um, I mean, I think it looks fantastic, and I I hope that our readers will uh, take a look also. I mean, I, I think it's really cutting edge, actually, and, and fun, and uh, also provocative and modern. So, and also, we know that this is just the beginning of exciting things ahead for the Robin Report. Yeah, I think the rebranding is great, and I am sure for you, Robin... You must feel great to see your idea. You had this idea of creating a provocative go-to place for thought leadership content move into its next chapter. Yeah. The first issue came out back in October 2010. That's over 13 years ago. Oh, Do you boy. remember who was on the first issue? Well, how, <laughs> how could I forget? <laughs> Barry Lundgren. That's right. Right out of central casting. <laughs> And ironically, uh, with our new branding coming out in 2024, so is the new CEO of Macy's, who is our, our friend Tony Spring, who we wish all the best for. He's got a big, big challenge ahead of him, but I think he's up to it. And I do feel honored uh, and greatly appreciate that our readers have found value in what we do. So the next chapter for the Robin Report will be, I think it's going to be very exciting. And I and I thank everyone for joining us on our journey. So Shelly, um, I guess we get started with our podcast about um, what will be changing in the world of retailing next year. And, and I would like to kick this one off um, with our discussion uh, by once again, emphasizing the fact that this is the distribution century, or more accurately, uh, the preemptive distribution century. And what does that mean exactly? Why is it, you know, as the song goes, a major earth moving under your feet? 
a kind of seismic shift for retail. Long story short, um, you know, in the developed world, we we manage to make more stuff and services uh, than people really need across all consumer-facing businesses. We could uh, detour here for a moment um, to, to list all of the kind of waste businesses, landfills, of course, and even ocean uh, waste. But, um, you know, Shelley, we don't need to because our audience already knows it. Right. It also means that we have more stores and now websites than needed. I mean, way more than needed. All of which leads to, you know, what I call the race to the bottom. Competing with heavily discounted pricing and preemptively distributing the goods or services ahead of the hundreds of equally compelling competitors. I mean, it's a constant race. Um, and using low-hanging low hanging fruit like prices and um, just shoving stuff out in, into distribution channels. So, shall I then um, enter technology, right? Wow. Analytics, e-commerce, and now, of course, AI. And we have the beginning of, in my opinion, is preemptive distribution on steroids. It means greater preemption, not only online, but now the ability, you know, or the tools, if you will, to identify preferential neighborhoods to our brands and products um, and lo no neighborhood locations for smaller stores. And, of course, assorted with only the locally preferred products and or services in that area. You know, even locally indigenous products. Well, yeah, especially in the U.S. market, which, Robin, we talk about this all the time, it's certainly overstored. And you're right, the amount of product in the marketplace and the amount of marketplaces is so overwhelming to consumers that many are actually turning to smaller alternatives and really looking for more curated content and experiences. And as retail technologies have really advanced tremendously in the past year, we will be able to better locate stores based on precise consumer preferences. Assortments will be better curated and marketing yep. efforts will be hyper-personalized down to the individual preferences. Absolutely. So, you know, long story short again, um, you know, inventory optimization, which we talked about forever curated, you know, for local preferences in a neighborhood, greater efficiency, less guessing, less returns, greater productivity, and greater personalization and convenience for the consumer as well. And over time, Shelley, you know, these legacy retailers, um, including department stores like Macy's, as well as big box stores like Target and now Ikea, are in the early stages of their stated small store strategies. And indeed, uh, they will end up retaining only their flagship or large remaining mall-based stores that are performing well, they will keep those, but they will scale down to complementing these giant stores, but not cannibalizing those 
remaining big stores. So complementing uh, the, the big stores, that, the good ones will, will be retained. There will be hundreds of small stores across the country, almost like these uh, specialty retail chains. Yeah. We, and let me yeah. just jump in here, Robin. I know it's early in the year, but let me just say to your point about less returns as an example, it's spot on. So projections for merchandise returns in 2023 and specifically coming out of holiday is showing less returns. So mm -hmm. the returns for this year are projected to come at 9% less than 2022. Wow. Okay. So yeah. Those less returns are really attributed to retailers using technology to improve the pre-purchase experience. So better product descriptions, augmented yep. reality, virtual try-ons, and really improving the shopper's understanding of sizing. So there's a focus on reducing costs to the business, like returns, scaling down physical spaces, so less rent, less inventory, less payroll. Yep. Yep, yep. I agree with that, Shelley. I agree with all that. But also, I, I think it's really important to emphasize uh, so that our audience understands that cutting costs, less rent, less inventory, less payroll, those are all good things. But it is not the reason for these small store strategies. Quite the opposite, in fact. Um, they, are, they are getting cost reductions out of driving greater efficiencies and productivity because they are bringing their brands closer to the precise consumer with precisely what they want, when and where they want it, with a greater than expected experience. So I think it's important to, 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 that our audience keeps that point in mind. Yes, agreed, Rob. And thank you for highlighting that. Um, but trimming down that inventory holding to precisely what the customer yep. wants helps to increase inventory churn and gross yep. margins, reduces the churn through supply chain, creating yep. better efficiency and requires less financial investment in inventory. So all of this leads to practices that are less costly and better for the earth, quite frankly. And yep. as you pointed out, Robin, very early on back in 2014, and you wrote about it in 2018, you know, Target has been doing this for years. Yeah, and Target, you know, right now they have about 150 small stores, you know, in its total fleet of uh, 2,000 stores. And they plan 30 to 40 new small store launches a year with no stated limits. Hmm. And what, what the, their CFO cited is that the small store productivity, in other words, sales per square foot, is three times that of their full line large store. So there you go, Shelly, one major metric. And um, beginning in 2024, this year, up to 30 new Macy's small format locations will open across the country. Um, this expansion, uh, of course, is an addition to the nearly 15 small format Macy's and Bloomies locations that Macy's currently operates. So paired with a premier digital experience, these small format stores enhance the company's store, store port, port, portfolio with a mix of the best on and off mall locations to deliver 
what they say is a seamless shopping experience across all channels. So also, Shelly Ikea is also testing a small store strategy. And again, not due to cost cutting, but to personalize how the consumer wants to shop and giving them precisely what they want, where they want it, and so forth. Well, I'll be excited to see the IKEA new small format because their forced path design drives me crazy. So they're what? A smaller store. They have a forced path, so you have to like literally go through all sections of the store. It's like a one-way track through the store. Oh yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I did read about that. Yes. So I hope that these new smaller stores allow more flexibility because that's the one reason I won't shop at IKEA. So I'm excited ah. to see a new smaller format store. And Robin, I think one of the supporting measures of your thesis is an article that ran in the Wall Street Journal titled The American Store is Shrinking. Yeah. So the average store size in the U.S. is the smallest it's been in at least 17 years. So that yeah. reflects a profound change in the way Americans are now shopping. Retailers are signing leases averaging 3,200 square feet during the first three quarters of 2023. So that's the smallest size since data from CoStar Group began tracking it in 2006. Wow. So one of the quotes from Brandon Speck, the CoStar's National Director of U.S. Retail Analytics, he said, you know, shopping center today looks very different than it did 10 years ago. The focus is much more on experience and more mm. on food and beverage. So, and of course, food and beverage companies sign nearly one-fifth of all retail leases this year. Wow. This, this, of course, according to CoStar and their analytics. So most, yep. most of these um, food and beverage companies are targeting spaces 5,000 square feet and smaller. Yeah, yeah, Shelley. You know, I agree with that. Uh, but, but you know, it isn't just about consumers favoring experience, you know, food and beverage and other experiences like Lululemon or Dick's Sporting Goods. Actually, as we've been talking about for years, yoga classes at Lulu and mountain climbing at Dick's. But it's also the retailers' greater capabilities to make the small store strategy work. Right. And I definitely get your point. But anecdotally, there are several experts who make the point that you actually can't scale that model to add significantly to the top and bottom lines. Yeah. And I've, I've talked to a lot of those experts as well, Shelly. <laughs> and I'm not going to name any of them. But listen, uh, you and I have been predicting things for many years that are actually coming true. And this is just the beginning. And, and, and Shelley, as we know, strategy is one thing. Implementation and execution is another. I believe Target, Macy's, Ikea, and others to follow. I know Walmart has been testing small stories for some time, and they're going to they're gonna end up, up in that group. They, they will very well hit speed bumps along the way, but they will learn from them. And so long-term, in my opinion, it's going to be the prevailing model. As I opened with, we're just in the beginning of this enormous shift. Of course, I got to say this, the, the likes of Costco and others like uh, Dick Sporting Goods and many of the A-class malls out there um, 
will continue uh, to succeed. But there's going to be a huge conversion of failing malls and even sports arenas into go-to lifestyle villages a la The Grove out in California. And maybe uh, the American, maybe the American dream, dream over in uh, New Jersey. And can you imagine the Mets Stadium, among others? And, and Shelly, I'm not exaggerating because stadiums are in the oxygen out there. Yeah. So, you know, big macro again is moving precisely closer to the precise consumer, precisely with what they want, when and where they want it, with a greater than expected experience. So, um, Shelley, I don't know. What are some of the other major uh, strategic and structural shifts that uh, are in store? And, of course, no pun intended, uh, for 2024. Well, Robin, since you said shifts in store, there are so many <laughs> new happenings in the store with new technology advancements and so forth. I think a prevailing shift is actually going to be in marketing efforts Advertising mm. and shared marketing data between retailers and brands has already had a significant impact with retail media networks. So according to yeah. eMarketer, retail media ad spending is going from $46 billion in 2023 to $109 billion in by 2027. Wow. So yeah. retail media will nearly tie with social media as the number two ad spend channel, second only to search. And retail media will be bigger than connected TV, digital, audio, traditional television advertising all combined in wow. 2027. So it's a big deal. And yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense. And it helps with your thesis of delivering that precise you know, product to consumer preferences and understanding the consumer behaviors. Yeah, for sure. But you know what, Shelly? I thought for sure you would you would bring up AI as uh, you know, perhaps the first structural change for retailers. You know, there, there there's been so much hype this year about AI, generative AI, and the impact on many industries, but uh, specifically retail. Yeah, and well, I think retailers are going to be spending the first half of 2024 figuring out how to take AI and have it work in a way that elevates the brand, drives loyalty, increases efficiency, drives innovation, mm -hmm. and on and on. But I do have some specific points where AI can make a significant impact. Marketing and inventory management, and I, I don't even like the word management. Well, uh, it's probably yeah. not the right word, but I'll get to that in a second. Let's start with marketing. So marketing, which is now going to be very directed to very specific market segments. So this yep. micro segmentation is what consumers are looking to receive. So retailers must balance out the cost of micro segmentation with the loyalty that it can bring. So right. AI can help with developing programs that are relevant and highly personalized in kind of a non-creepy way. <laughs> yeah, totally agree. Um, you know, the demographic shift of the U.S. market, and of course, the rise of Gen Alpha <laughs> will, you know, it's going to require retailers to also look at marketing differently, taking into account the, the really diverse nature of our market across the country. 
However, with AI, along with more analytics than ever before, understanding consumers' preferences, I believe, Shelley, will be more predictable than ever. Absolutely. And uh, I think that's going to be a tremendous impact and difference uh, in retail for 2024. But the next kind of area that I think is a big shift is this inventory holdings. I don't like saying management because it's Mm. not about managing an overstocked inventory because that's not what we're talking about. We're really talking about inventory holdings where we will see some seismic shifts. So less inventory holdings, shorter supply chains, near real-time allocation, skew optimization. So many of these initiatives have been in the works for a while But now with advancements in AI and a more intelligent AI, the industry can really move forward with slimming down the on-hand inventory. So if I give an illustrative example, going back to the returns, you know, if retailers can get customers to buy the right size and style based on AI recommendations, so better product descriptions, more accurate sizing information, they can then change consumer behaviors like bracketing which leads to less inventory investments. Yeah, well, that bracketing is a new term for me. <laughs> but 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 as I understand it, bracketing is when customers buy multiple sizes and then return the sizes that don't fit, which right. is a killer. Um, the, the other area of uh, reducing inventory holdings is to partner with brands and, you know, invite them into the retail marketplaces or the platforms um, or into uh, strategic partnerships. I mean, Toys R Us is a good example, selling toys online as part of Macy's online marketplace. Or um, Ulta Beauty is another one but that, that, that's been invited into the Target stores. You know, both of these models, Shelley, reduce the amount of inventory that a retailer has to invest in and also provides consumers with a uh, better assortment of, of product offerings. Exactly. So the last big shift <clears throat> that I would uh, mention for 2024, and we've actually seen some of this start in 2023, is a focus on the associate and investing in people. Oh, boy. So yep. the labor market, you know, in the U.S. is very tight and it's really getting workers to be highly engaged is going to be critical for building a positive store and online experience. So all of this will translate into deeper customer loyalty. So how retailers will be investing in their own people is by giving them the tools that allow them to be successful or providing trainings that help develop people, giving them opportunities for promotion, giving them opportunities for cross-training, learning new things, or making sure People feel the work environment is supportive and inclusive. So people are a sustainable long-term advantage. The war on talent is on, and it goes beyond just the retail industry. So we compete within our own industry trying to get the best talent, but we're also competing with becoming employer of choice for with other industries. So retail is competing with other industries to get top talent to work in retail. Well, boy, you know, Shelley, you hit it on the head. I mean, it's, it's um, you know, the Nordstrom upside down organization chart. 
you know, the C-level executives actually exist to support the associates. The associates are empowered to do whatever they have to do. They make the decision to go way beyond whatever it takes, you know, not just to fulfill the customer's needs, but to kind of metaphorically satisfy their dreams. And of course, that's why Nordstrom's have forever been known for their service and beyond just normal service. You know, I've, I've always said that the, um, the most important link in the supply chain is the final link that touches and guides the consumer at the point of sale. Well said, Robin. <laughs> For our listeners, you can find more of our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Buzzsprout, and therodmreport.com. And please follow us on social media. Link in with us for the latest thoughts about the industry. And I also want to thank everybody once again for joining us. And if any of you have a topic that uh, you would like Shelly and I to cover on one of these webcasts or podcasts, please email me at uh, robin at therobinreport.com.